Teachers, happy Friday. It's the thing that we do on Fridays with me, Brother Lawson, and Brother Wing, who's doing a little bit of advertising this week. It is a great week. It's FSY registration week. And uh, and tell the good people why you're wearing your FSY t-shirt today, Brother Wing. I'm wearing my FSY t-shirt just to advertise. That's really the only reason. Otherwise, I would be in a suit right now. <laughs> Teachers, uh, you can help out by encouraging your students to go to FSY. It's pretty legit. Uh, both Brother Wing and I have been session directors at FSY. We're going to be session directors again this year at FSY. Where are you going, Brother Wing? I'll be in Richardson, Texas. Excellent. I'm going to be in Florida, right next to the beach. <laughs> so... <laughs> But it's a lot of fun. We, uh, Brother Wing and I hung out at one in Louisiana last year, and that was a lot, lots of fun. But it's so cool to be with those kids. And and I think I think it would do your heart good, teachers. I don't know how you could make this possible. You probably can't. But um, if you could see your students at FSY, you'd be like, hey, how about doing a little bit of that at 6 o'clock in the morning, early morning seminary? I mean, they get they really get into it. And uh, some of those kids that are just kind of glassy eyed in the mornings in your class, they, uh, they're studying the scriptures on their own FSY. They're sharing the testimony. It's just, it's a great, it's a great experience for them. Um, it's a different experience than the, cons- con- the consistency of daily immersion in, in scriptures. Like we try in, in, in seminary, but it's kind of a, it's a just kind of a nice little shot in the arm for a lot of these youth. So get them to go to FSY. I really appreciate Brother Wing advertising with his FSY t-shirt today. Glad glad that he chose to wear that instead of a, his normal suit and tie and top hat <laughs> that he wears for our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just happy to help. I do what I can. That's good. That's good. All right, teachers, this week... Uh, you have your students have 31 verses to feast upon in the scriptures for the whole week. So our podcast should be ending about two minutes from now. Uh, and and we don't have much to say. Just kidding. These are these even though these are short, uh, even though these are short sections in the New Testament that we're going to be that we're going to be going over today. You'll have your students will have a lot to say about them and a lot to learn from those uh, from those sections we are right into the thick of it learning learning about and from Jesus Christ and so we don't need a whole lot of content um as far as verse numbers to to get uh saving truths and great examples so we'll you'll do just fine with these 30 or 31 verses we're counting 31 because there's a doctrinal mastery day in there for John 3 5 but the first day the first two days you spend of the week we got on the, our pacing guide as uh, as 11 verses. So Matthew 4, 1 through 11. So we've got them on there for two days. If we got Matthew 4, 1 through 11 for two days, they've got to be kind of important. Brother Wing, what's so important about Matthew 4, 1 through 11? These are type of verses that students will want to refer back to throughout their lives. There's just so much in here. So I think it is, you know, worthy of two days of content. And, um, and so you're going to talk, obviously the Jesus being tempted by the adversary and how, 
how this adversary tempted him, but also how Jesus responded to that temptation. Super instructive, very applicable, and um, there's a lot to be discussed um, with the students. So I'm, I'm in support of two days, although you may find that you want to go on to the rest of chapter four, if you want, <laughs> that might be something to do or, and you can definitely blend the two days yep. together. Yeah, you can for sure. One of the one idea I think that could help you with scripture feasting with uh, with Matthew chapter four is introducing your students if they haven't been introduced already to the Joseph Smith translation, and let them just let them. The way I might do it is, students, uh, would you just take two minutes right now and mark every Joseph Smith translation? in your scripture, just, just mark every Joseph Smith translation in Matthew chapter four, right? And then just send them in to feast, looking at those Joseph Smith translations with maybe the questions, what am I learning about uh, Jesus Christ because of the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible uh, here in, in Matthew chapter four? They will learn some things about the Savior that I think will have uh, some great, some will be a great catapult or launching point for discussions. They'll learn, for example, that that Jesus wasn't just hanging out with Satan, but he was uh, he was trying to avoid him at all costs. The, they might also learn that Jesus was quoting scripture to to avoid Satan. And that will be a you might be able to have a pretty good discussion about that. Anything else that you would how else would you approach scripture feasting for those first 11 verses? Any other ideas, Brother Wing? Yeah, I really like the idea of just the first day, just say, look, take all of those verses and then look, note all the Joseph Smith translations, see how that affects the story. In fact, you could just have the students read in the King James Version first and then go back and then add in the Joseph Smith translations just to see how that really does change things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm at home. Somebody in the background there thinks that's a great idea. Yeah, they're loving this idea. My <laughs> three-year-old, he just turned three. So he's three now and he's young. Oh, that's when, that's when kids yeah. get really obedient. Is that three? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So once they've done that, that probably, in my opinion, if they can go through those 11 verses, see how the King James Version affects that, that should lead to a discussion. Um, and it could end up in filling up that whole first day worth of time in that study. But you do want to take some time either on that first day or the second day of it to talk about what Jesus teaches us here about how to resist temptation. And I really like the quote from President Packer. This is May of 2000 that he said this, but he said, Jesus deflected each temptation with scripture. And then he added, think on it carefully. When facing perdition himself, the Lord drew upon scriptures for protection. And so it might be noteworthy to the students to know that Jesus didn't debate with the devil. He didn't try to discuss anything with the devil. He didn't try to talk the devil into repenting, you know, or changing or, or uh, try to prove himself right to the devil. He did none of those things. He just quoted scripture, you know, and then in the, in the third time, you know, told him to get the hints, but that's it. And so I think that's, that, that's something that, Again, I don't want to point this out to the students at first. I just want to let them study, see if they figure this out. But if, whether it's on the first day or the second day, ask that question or something like it. 
what do you notice about how Jesus resisted temptation? Like, what did he do? And then maybe they might discover this point or other points and how valuable scripture is. And then, of course, then there's a great launching point to taking effective action here on what we can do with scripture now so that we can do the same thing and use scripture effectively like this to resist temptation. Yeah, it's interesting to consider. How did Jesus know all of those scriptures? Well, uh, for one, he was Jehovah in the Old Testament, and he was, you know, some of those he was quoting himself. But he would have, I mean, he came through the veil just like us, and he would have, uh, he would, he was a scripture reader for sure. And I think our students might be able to, this might be a great plug for doctrinal mastery with your students and maybe reviewing with your students, saying things like, Hey, you guys, how could, uh, what doctoral masteries have we studied this year and how would they help us if we were ever tempted, uh, by the adversary to, to be not, to be disobedient, uh, or to be discouraged and let them, let them just kind of review some of the doctoral mastery. What, what doctoral mastery scriptures could they quote when faced with, with opposition like Jesus was? All right. So that's the first two days, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. So uh, anything else you want to say about those verses or should we go to Luke 5, 1 through 11? I guess just for clarity, you know, teachers, what we're suggesting here is that you'll see in the teacher manual of their guidelines for part one and part two. Mm -hmm. And what we're saying is you can mesh this however you want. You know, Mm -hmm. you might find a different angle that you want to take with this, but collectively you're going to cover your, or, and you might even just choose to combine these and do something else with that extra day. If you were to combine these two, but these verses seem to be worth two days and you can orchestrate however you want to, to divide the content there, layer your study, but do it however you want to. Excellent. All right. On February 1st, we got uh, Jesus at the Lake of, Genesaret, the Lake of Genesaret, Brother Wing. Have you ever heard of that lake before? Um, I have heard of that, and I think you're pronouncing it perfectly. Excellent. Yeah, that's also noted. Uh, some people like to call it the Sea of Galilee. I like to call it the Lake of Genesaret, and uh, because that is the it's it's based on a Hebrew word which means harp, and we know I think everybody knows that the Sea of Galilee is in the shape of a harp, right? I mean, you knew that, Brother Wing, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So that's where uh, that's where Jesus is. If you guys want to call it the Sea of Galilee, that's fine. But, um, but that's where they are in Luke chapter 5, right? And there's a whole bunch of people around. And this is the story that maybe many of your students have, have heard or have, uh, seen depictions of where Jesus calls out to the fishermen, and tells them um, and tells them to cast their nets for a for to catch some fish, and they're like, "Oh, we've toiled all night. We're not catching any." They catch all the fish. So there's there's eleven verses that day, Luke chapter five, verses one through eleven, where they're going to be learning about these fishermen who decided to not catch fish anymore, but to catch men. How do we uh, how do we set up script? What should we do for scripture feasting here? Luke chapter five. Okay. So again, this is a really cool story to think about how you take the, you know, you, you've said this before, brother Lawson, the them there, then 
mm-hmm. and you bring it to the me here now, yeah. you know? And so you're like, well, I'm not being called to be an apostle and I'm not a fisherman. And you can think of all these specific details where this story relates nothing to a teenager today. And yet if they can see, if they can read these open to the idea that there's messages for us specifically, one example might be to think of read these verses and then say, notice that that it's like the Lord uses their temporal work to teach a spiritual point, you know, I mean, the basic idea that you're not going to be fishers, you're going to be fishers of men now, you know, so it's almost like they've, their temporal labors have prepared them for their more important, more eternally significant spiritual callings, you know, and so that alone might be something to think, okay, students, how have, what's something that you've done in life temporally, like with your school or your hobbies or things, how might the Lord use that for his purposes? You know, um, there's another point to be made. A whole separate point would be like leaving those worldly things you know, yeah. behind like they do here again. So it's, it's like, and then there's a bunch of other ways that you can do this, but to help the students practice with these verses to open their minds and hearts to the idea that this, there could be some messages there for them today and kind of stripping away the, you know, using the details that they have to understand the story, but then kind of getting the principles out of that, that they can be applied today. That's, that would be a cool scripture feasting uh, for Luke five. I think it, I, I love that idea. I was just thinking as you were sharing that, <laughs> excuse me, that, um, you know, they, these apostles, they were toiling all night long. They were, I mean, this is their bread and butter. This was their livelihood fishing, you know, this is how they subsisted. Uh, they weren't, they weren't rich guys by any means. They weren't getting rich off of catching fish. Um, I thought it was interesting that, bef- that before the, te- the savior tells them to follow him, he, he basically, he, he blesses them with a whole bunch of fish and maybe made it harder for them to leave their nets. For me, It'd have been real easy to leave my net. Hey, you know what? We're not good at fishing. We didn't get, we've been working all night long. We might as well follow this guy. But it's interesting to consider that Jesus, uh, it, that Jesus caused this great load of fish to enter in their net. And now they had a decision to make. That was, a, we got all this money here in fish. We're just gonna, we're just gonna leave and follow this guy. And so I'm not, I'm not so sure that it was, uh, Jesus proving to the apostles who he was as much as it was these these fishermen proving to the Savior who they wanted to be and uh, by being willing to to give all that up uh, that they had just hauled in. So anyway, that's a I've never thought about that until you're sharing that. So that's some good scripture feasting on our part right there, live action. So <laughs> yeah, these are great verses too because it's, it's like, what's the purpose of life? You know, like yeah. what's going to feel kind of hollow. Fish. Yeah. Like I, I caught a bunch of fish. I made a, I made a, I was rich off of catching fish and then I died, you know? And so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all would kind of make this mistake of overemphasizing, <laughs> you know, the temporal things about right. life and, and I think this is, this is an opportunity for students to kind of broaden their perspective, mm-hmm. uh, anyone studying this, ourselves included, 
to kind of broaden our perspective and see that when we follow Jesus, we're going to see that he's going to help us to find the real meaning and purpose of life there. So what, what could be an equivalent, like something like, um, maybe a social media post. Like if you're, if you're toiling all the night trying to get people to, you know, make your social media posts go viral. Right. And, and all of a sudden your social, you know, the, Jesus makes your social media post go viral and then says, I need you to delete your accounts and follow me. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm blowing up on TikTok. Come on. All right. <laughs> That's a good one. I like uh, that. <laughs> but seriously, many, like all of us, we toil and labor for things that are of no worth to us and your teenagers do as well. And that might be a good reflective opportunity for them to consider, well, what am I really working for here? So that's going to be a good day in seminary. All right. So the, the next block of scripture that we have is John chapter three. And is it John three? Yeah. That right. Yeah. John chapter three. I lost my pacing guides spot here. Verses one through eight. All right. Good. Thanks for saving me. John three, one through eight. We got Nicodemus. I'd already asked brother wing if he watched the secret of Nim and he hasn't. If you have seen the secret of Nim, please comment below and tell brother wing what he's missing. But uh, we got Nicodemus. One of the leaders of Israel comes by, comes to Jesus at night. Why at night? It's all dark and stuff. Brother Wayne, what maybe said give us some context for uh, John chapter three here with Nicodemus. Yeah, so it appears that Nicodemus has a good heart. He senses that Jesus at least understands things, right? And is a and is a great teacher, right? And so he goes to him, but um, he's apparently he comes at night because he doesn't want others to know that he is consulting with Jesus or getting information from him, being taught by him. Uh, but Jesus is fine with, <laughs> with this and teaches him. And so Nicodemus appears to be a good guy that maybe also is a little overly concerned about what other people think or what, mm-hmm. what, their, what other kind of worldly consequences might come if he's known to be learning from Jesus. Um, that said, Jesus really teaches a profound um, message to him in this chapter. Excellent. Excellent background. In fact, we have a doctoral mastery verse that you'll be working on the next day in verse five. And Nicodemus, to your point, remember, Nicodemus is one of the guys that helps bury Jesus when uh, so he he converts. And he's one of the guys that that brings the spices and helps prepare Jesus's body um, for, for burial after Jesus was crucified. So this is, this is his beginning stages of, of understanding the gospel and trying to understand what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think your students, one of the things that will be fascinating for them, or at least instructive for them in John chapter three, one through eight is, is they'll have an opportunity to learn about how the Holy ghost works and, and, and maybe it will help them. It will clarify for them maybe things that the Holy Ghost doesn't do. So, so uh, I really liked verse eight 
I think there's a lot of things about, I mean, you can talk about discipleship. I'll let you do that. But I think uh, verse eight, the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst tell, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. I think that's a, that's a great, that's great imagery and maybe something your students have never considered before that teaching of Jesus is that um, recognizing where the, where the Holy ghost comes from, recognizing that the Holy ghost is similar to the wind. It's difficult to, to say when it's going to enter into us and how it's going to, where it came from when it got there. And, and I think that's one, a basic level of understanding that. But before that, when he's talking about being how the Holy ghost helps us to be, um, cleanse from sin, I think is, is important. It's not just the baptism by water, but the Holy ghost is crucial. And that's what I think he's teaching Nicodemus here. What do you think, brother Wayne? Yeah, those are all like really important things for the students to kind of catch. Like if they don't, if they don't see it at first, like we want to point, point out this conversion process that the Lord is describing and the role of baptism in that conversion process but also being baptized by the, or being purified by the spirit and receiving the gift of the Holy ghost. Um, this may also be a point where even though the content of the actual lesson in the teacher manual says verses one through eight, you may find that through the course of them feasting and you talking about what they study in those first eight verses, that it's appropriate to go on and, and point yeah. out the rest of the chapter. Cause I really like, you know, yeah, all the way, at least to 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many good things um, in this, but even 14 through 21, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a spot where you can just say, students read, read verses 14 and 21, pick out your favorite one liner. That's just your, or your favorite phrase that's in those verses. That would probably be another good study that would continue uh, and help them um, with these, these verses. So, Obviously, a really important chapter to know well. Um, but the context here with verses one through eight, that's again with the doctrinal mastery. This lesson will give them the context of that doctrinal mastery passage in verse five. And then the following day, you'll be able to go into that. And, and with, with the context, they'll, they should be able to be better prepared to dig into verse five and understand that even better. I like the, maybe making a connection, helping them remember, you remember back in last week when, when John the Baptist was calling, when all those people were coming to be baptized and John the Baptist said, Hey, you generation of vipers, you know, and these are people coming to be baptized. And he, he explained to them, you can't just be baptized. You, you can't just be baptized and be, and, and call it good. There's another baptism that you have to to uh, experience. And that's the baptism by the spirit. And you can't be baptized by the spirit if you're not fully immersed as a disciple of Jesus Christ first. And so these are people that are coming just to participate in this ordinance of baptism with no intention of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here, Jesus clarifies to Nicodemus that same principle that John was teaching the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who came to him and said, you've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Uh, baptism by water is an incomplete ordinance. You have to be, uh, you have to be immersed in the, in water and in the spirit. And the only way to be invert, immersed in the spirit is by choosing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
anybody can be baptized in water, but not everyone can be baptized by the spirit. If that makes sense. Well, everyone can be, but they have to, you know what I mean, brother wing. <laughs> I like how you explain that. And that's really cool to talk about immersion, you know, with that. I like how you said that you got to be immersed in following Jesus Christ to mm-hmm. receive the Holy ghost. And And I think the other times that I've heard the word immersion used outside of a baptism context is when the prophets counsel us to be immersed in his word. Yeah. And so, which again, that would help us to know what's true and want to be baptized and receive the spirit. So that's a great concept. Excellent. All right. That last day on Friday, we got intro to doctrinal mastery and then uh, John three through five. Uh, or John John chapter three verse five. So this is our very first doctrinal mastery scripture that we're jumping into in the New Testament year. Uh, you got any recommendations to ha- on how to do that, or are our students already pros and we just we just go about it as always? Yeah, the only thing to kind of maybe point out here is that we've we've combined two lessons there. So you got the doctrinal mastery on John three five, but then first we've kind of had to we had to work in to the pacing this intro to doctrinal mastery lesson. And you can see that in the introductory materials at the beginning of the teacher manual. Um, And it's got some kind of things to go over about your spiritual foundation. And you can kind of see um, what's there. But the basic idea here is that this, that the students kind of get why we're doing doctrinal mastery. Um, And we, I guess you, we would have maybe already talked about that with the Matthew four lessons at the beginning of this week's content. That's that would be a good answer as to why we're doing doctrinal mastery so that we can resist temptation like the Savior did. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, now that they've gone through the three parts of the acquiring spiritual knowledge lessons, they've got that kind of background. So they can they can see that every time we get to a doctrinal mastery passage, we're going to work on being able to, like, memorize that and explain it and then apply this acquiring spiritual knowledge um, pattern. You know, so that's what that intro to doctrinal mastery lesson will do for them. You can do that, I think, in 10 or 15 minutes and then go on to the John 3, 5. Excellent. Well, that's great. All right. I think that's it, Brother Wing. I got nothing else to to say. I I hope that the Cowboys are able to beat the Eagles this weekend. And oh, wait, no, they're not playing the Eagles this weekend, are they? Yeah, I am. Um, this is where this is where you've lost the spirit. See, this is a good example of, <laughs> of when you're unkind to other people. I just I just assumed that was my optimism that like you need to you need to go back and get immersed in the word and you'll be kinder to <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the words of your mother. Oh, Eric, it's just a game. Don't <laughs> don't respond with how you responded to your mother. You have a great sense of humor and I hate you. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, teachers. We hope, hope you have a, a great week in teaching. I hope you have a great week with these uh, students. Hopefully you've watched, if you haven't watched already the broadcast that took place on Friday, well, today, if you're listening to it today, um, you need to because there's some things that have been a change in and Brother Wing and I will address those in our next Uh, thing that we do on Fridays. Uh, But until next time, we love your guts. Stay righteous. Go Chiefs.